his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, we're going to take a look at the history of Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre. They're celebrating 100 years of local theater. We're also going to hear from Dawn Webster. She's going to talk about isolation and our senior population. And we'll start off with Master Trooper David Peters with Troop in Hazleton. The Pennsylvania State Police are holding Camp Cadet and a Law and Leadership Academy. Let's talk about Camp Cadet. That's coming up okay. when? Uh, July 17th through the 22nd. So applications are available right now. Right now, the best way to get a, a camp application is to either get it at one of the Troop End stations, which would be, either be Hazleton, uh, Bloomsburg, Lehighton, Fern Ridge, or Stroudsburg, or you can go to www.troopendcampcadet. Uh, it's on the webpage. Uh, we are in the process of getting him to all the schools, um, but with the uncertainty with the uh, uh, pandemic, uh, we weren't sure if schools were going to you know, come back in person or then go virtual. So we are in the process of getting them there. Um, we actually increased our age. Uh, it used to be 12 to 14, um, but since camp has been canceled for two years, uh, we made a decision to raise it to 15 to hopefully uh, get some of those individuals that we would have um, lost uh, due to age, uh, give them the opportunity to attend camp if that's what they wanted to do. And for someone who might be hearing about Camp Cadet for the first time, what can they expect? It's a week-long program. It's a stay-over camp. Um, it gives them the opportunity to interact with law enforcement um, to challenge themselves. I mean, they get to see a little bit of um, law enforcement training in, in, a, in a kind of a – it has a little bit of a military setting to it. Um, but really, the ultimate goal is to teach them about themselves. Um, we want to instill self-confidence in them. We want them to leave this camp knowing that if they're willing to put the work into something, that they can accomplish anything that they want. Um, sometimes our own worst, our enemies are our own ourself, um, cause we just don't think we can overcome something cause it's going to, it's going to be hard or it's going to take more time. I mean, uh, you know, that instant gratification that we all want sometimes doesn't come that easily for some. So we want to teach them that you could do anything, you know, teach them teamwork and self-respect. And this is one of those camps where, again, you are away from home and yeah. what, what happens when it's all said and done? Big. I know there there were big celebrations, of course, with the uh, pandemic that may have changed things. So, what can people expect when once it's all over? Well, they go through the camp for the week. Um, 
you know, that, that Friday, the 22nd, that we would hold a graduation ceremony for him because it, it is an accomplishment for, for these young people. You know, to be away from home, to ask a young uh, person to, you know, you're getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning and you're going for a run, you're seeing the physical aspects that the troopers go to, plus you get to see all the resources um, that the state police and local departments have at their fingertips to assist the community that you probably don't see on a daily basis. Like we have, you know, our helicopter comes in, a canine. We have our our SWAT individuals come in and discuss their jobs. Just different aspects for individuals that the different jobs within the state police and in local departments that, you know, someone can go into, you know, as they progress through their career. Um, and it's just, it, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, a lot of them don't realize they just, you know, we're on the side of the road, we're doing accidents, we're, we're writing citations, but you know, the many different aspects, computer crimes, teaching them how to protect themselves, uh, when they are navigating social media and other sites. So it's a great, a great week of knowledge for them. All right. Once again, give us the details of when, of where, and of how someone can find out more information. Right now, it's uh, any male or female, ages uh, 12 to 15. Um, you can register now. Um, it goes through March 31st. Um, the camp will be held at Penn State Hazleton um, from July 17th through the 22nd. Um, it's a stay-over week-long camp. Um, and basically... You know, we look for those individuals that reside in Chupin's coverage area. So that would be Columbia County, Carbon, Monroe, and Lower Luzerne counties. And how can someone get more information? Uh, they could, right now, the best way is to go to our website, www.chupincampcadet. It's also on uh, the Chupin uh, Twitter page, information on that, as well as our Chupin Camp Cadet Facebook page. Um, or you can pick up an application at all the um, state police stations in Troop N. Um, and like I said earlier, we will be over the next week or so getting the applications to all the schools in Troop N's area uh, for that age group of 12 to 15. Trooper Peters, let's have you explain a little bit to our listeners today exactly what is the Pennsylvania State Police Troop N Law and Leadership Academy. It's a program we designed um, uh, myself and uh, some of the recruiters to sort of look at a, a program that would exist for older individuals that are seeking career in law enforcement. We sort of look back and realize that really after the age of Camp Cadet at the latest 15, there really wasn't any program out there to um, keep individuals interested or to, um, you know, keep them focused as to, you know, maybe what they should be doing, what they should be looking for college classes. So in development, we also kind of met with academy staff and discussed what, what are some of the reasons future cadets who get into the academy, why do they quit? Um, some of it was they're not prepared, maybe mentally. They're not used to that. Uh, maybe someone yelling at them um, or understanding the extensive, extensive scrutiny that they're under, the paying attention to detail, that, that mental fortitude that you need uh, in this job to deal with other um, adversities as well as your own. Um, so in developing the program, that's kind of where we went with it. Um, we wanted to try to create it like an academy life, you know, as much as we possibly could. I mean, you can never um, truly mimic that experience for six months. Um, but what can we give to them that would better prepare with, you know, kind of with that big thought in the back of our head since I've been around for a little while, you know, what did I wish I knew then, um, that I could prep them for now? So 
in doing it, we, we put it together um, that they had to meet our physical standards uh, to, to get in. Uh, they have to do them to graduate as well, which keeps them in that physical fitness sense. Um, they're not going to go there unprepared physically to take the, the um, physical fitness test. Um, and along the way, give them some of that stress and time management skills that are so desperately needed when you're in the academy because it's a constant, a constant day. Um, and then we developed a curriculum using academy learning. Um, so they get training the de-escalation, response to mental health, to child abuse, human trafficking, uh, crime scene, traffic stops. Um, they're just, I don't want to call them watered down. That's not really the word. They're just time constricted. I mean, they may get, you know, 60 hours of de-escalation training in the academy. But for us, um, it might only be like six hours. Um, but, but they get an understanding of what it is. So if they're fortunate enough to you know get through the process and get to our academy, they have a basic understanding of what's being spoken to them or taught to them then. Um, they can only develop and, and learn more from that aspect. So before someone gets even to that point, are there certain requirements that a person would have to have in order to even be considered for anything such as the law enforcement that you're talking about? Well, our standards uh, requirements, I should say, to uh, get into our academy is that um, to start the testing process, you have to be at least 20 years of age and have 30 college credits. Those credits can be in anything. Uh, obviously, there's changes if you have um, four years military, then the 60 college credits are waived. Um, if you have less than four um, you only get a 30 credit waiver. Um, and the reason they start letting them begin the process at 20 is because it usually takes anywhere between nine and, you know, 12 months, uh, to get through the whole testing process of written, oral, uh, physical background, all that to, um, ensure that, you know, we are getting the, the, the best individuals for this job. So for us, we started 19. Because um, they're close to the process, and the age we really don't have a top out age. Because um, what we've learned is, you know, you might have some people that have gone through the military for four years and have come back and decided to still go to school. Um, so you might have someone who's twenty two, twenty three. Um, so we kind of look at them uh, from the applications as to who's closest to the process for us. So somebody are they twenty one and have sixty college credits? You know, they would they'd be in that upper upper tier for us because they're the closest to the process because. That's the other aspect of this program is, you know, all the Northeast recruiters are a part of it. So you're getting that one-on-one with the recruiter. You're understanding the testing process uh, even more so on, um, you know, what, you know, what the written is like. Um, so you get those past experiences um, from individuals working as counselors there. Um, and we and we sort of mentor them along. I mean, we, we want to see them succeed. It's a volunteer program. Um, so to put yourself through something that starts in April and goes two days a week, one Saturday a month, all the way to August, you know, it's very, um, you know, you're committed and, and, and we want to, I don't think reward you is the way, the right word, but you know, we want to see you succeed if that's what your goal is, is to become a law enforcement officer. When you're talking about that, you mentioned education and it didn't, necessarily have to be that it could be in any kind of educational uh, pursuit. So you don't necessarily have to go in with a any kind of law enforcement? No, it could be, it, you can have your credits in anything. I mean, we, we've had troopers that have accounting degrees. Um, 
at troopers that are have an engineering degree. Um, in some cases, you know, having a different career and maybe taking just law enforcement electives uh, might be beneficial to someone in case you know, you change your mind. Uh, I can use an example. We had a young man go through the program who was kind of majoring in education and kind of, you know, still had some aspects of wanting to go into law enforcement, you know, came through the program, did, did very well in the program, but, you know, ultimately made a decision that he wanted to go back to education at this time. So, you know, we do have people that are teachers, people that are aspiring to be lawyers, which I mean, it's, Somewhat in, in, in a criminal justice, you know, law mentality, but in a different direction. So, you know, we get all different individuals that come on to uh, our job for whatever their personal reasons are um, outside of a criminal justice degree. Did you also mention in the very beginning that you yourself thought back, well, what would I have liked to have known? And when you look at the different things that you're dealing with now, what kind of things crossed your mind? I know some of the things that we all think about troopers driving a car, uh, responding to accident scenes, knowing how to use a weapon, those type of things. But it's not all just that, correct? No, I mean, it, it's not. I mean, the education to learn the laws and, and, and rules of criminal procedure and those things that, you know, they're taught to you. And, and I think unless you were a police officer prior to coming on, you know, to a state job, you don't have any uh, knowledge of them per se on the, on the um, day-to-day aspects of it. Um, you, you learn a lot about yourself. Um, you most of the time respond to, you know, somebody having maybe the, the worst day of their lives. Um, so it, it's a lot about, Humility. I mean, putting yourself in a situation and trying to understand. I mean, you do have a job to do. Um, so carrying that professionalism with you, learning how to to speak to to people, um, so they understand what you're trying to uh, assist them with is one thing. Um, I mean, for for me, it it was eye opening experience of the just the the time management. Um, you know, your day at the academy. You know, you're up at four o'clock in the morning, get yourself ready so you have a morning run. And from that moment, you go all the way till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, uh, whether you're, if you're not in a class, but you're, you know, you're, you got to keep your room you know, tip top shape, keep all your leather gear shined up and, and look professional because that's how people see you out in the public. They expect you to be in a professional manner. And if you look the part, that's what you're representing. You're representing them. Uh, because that's what you're there to do to, to help them. So, you know, there's a little thing, the little things you learn, uh, mentally, uh, and physically about yourself. And and again, we're, we're people too. So, you know, how do you handle your emotions, uh, you know, what a personal situation in your life, it's, it's a constant balance of, you know, not bringing work home and home to work. Um, so you could be the best person that the community expects you to be. And again, when we talk about Pennsylvania State Police, going through this leadership academy would get you more prepared for what you are expecting when you get into the academy. But there's also so much more once you go through and you're graduated from the academy than just what a lot of us see as Pennsylvania State Police driving the highways and byways of Pennsylvania. Yeah, I mean, every yeah, every day is a new experience. 
Um, you know, it's not, you can go from a, a traffic accident to, you know, to a, you know, a, a robbery or a crime in progress. You know, it's, there's a constant aspect of, you know, back and forth and it's, you know, everybody sees somebody on the side of the road writing a ticket or, you know, you know, providing some of the citation for uh, a traffic violation, but, you know, don't realize, is, you know, you're standing on the side of the road and, you know, people are whizzing, you know, driving by you so fast that, you know, and, and you hope that they're paying attention because, you know, one slight move can obviously put your life in danger on the side of the road as well, as well as the individual that you have stopped. So, you know, this program it just gives you that, that real good insight you know, and, and one of the major aspects of the program is they literally get to go to the state police academy for 48 hours and they are treated like an incoming cadet. So they get a little, a little taste of what it may be like. And when I stress little, it's, it's, it's little, um, cause 48 hours is a, a really small part of six months of being able to, you know, make your runs. I mean, those runs are timed. You need to make them. So, you know, if if you've never been away from home and you've never really maybe had major uh, time management uh, aspects of your life and stress, you know, sometimes that builds on people when they're there at the academy, not being able to maybe come home because they didn't pass an inspection or they didn't make their runs and they're, they're not doing very well academically. They might be, you know, they might have to stay on their weekend Liberty um, to, to, work on those things. So that, that can weigh on people not being able to see, uh, their family, friends. So that, you know, that's one of the aspects. Sometimes people leave our, our academies because of, because of those you know, psychological things that it, it, it takes to you know, have the fortitude to do this job. And of course, so that's what we try to help them. And of course there's also, once you do get through the academy, there's so much more out there that may be available to a person. As you mentioned, the uh, person who was involved with education wanting to get back with education, but that kind of a background could lead you to uh, become a school resource officer or so many other things. Yeah, I mean, that's an actually interesting point. I mean, I've, I've been on this job uh, a little over 24 years and um, I didn't have an education background, um, but I've, you know, had many aspects of, you know, being a local, uh, athletics coach and, and being around youth and, um, you know, multiple speech classes and things like that in my own personal life. So public speaking was not an issue for me, really. I mean, a lot of people sometimes fear it. I didn't so much have a problem with it. Um, and when the state police literally had an SRO program, I spent six years of my career, um, as an SRO. Um, and, and you learn a lot when you have the opportunity to, uh, interact with, youth and uh, just different professions along the way and, and sort of begin to understand how maybe they look at things. Um, and when you come on our job, um, you know, maybe have an education background, having a, an engineering background or to say a math background, cause it's the easiest thing to transition to, you know, we have jobs in the state police that are accident reconstructions, you know, so that math comes into play. Um, if you have an engineering degree, that would come into play. Um, myself, I have a community background, so, you know, I, I also an instructor for CPR, I'm a training education officer. So, you know, being able to, you know, instruct our members on whatever the department needs to do in that regard is beneficial to have some type of background education, setting up lesson plans. Um, they also help you with your time management. You know, I would 
saying that, you know, a teacher's job is, is, is very busy during the day with class prep and keeping track of students. So, you know, you're, you're constantly in that time management of prioritizing where your time needs to be so that everybody at the end can benefit from um, what you're trying to get across. And of course, we can't forget about those folks who like computers. There's all <laughs> kinds of computer stuff. Oh, yes. We, we have, you know, we have our own computer crimes unit, um, cybersecurity, things like that. I mean, obviously, in today's day and age, is much bigger than when I came on the job moons ago. Um, you know, it's everybody's at their fingertips. Everybody has a phone. Um, technology has has taken over and definitely has its uh, pluses, but, you know, it does have its minuses as well um, with, you know, people preying on individuals through social media and other aspects. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but, you know, we have oh, hundreds of different aspects of jobs within the state police that a young trooper after, um, you know, after three years on the job um, can, can move into if there's something that they wanted to like really pique their interest. All right. A lot of individuals. So if someone is listening to this and they're saying, you know, I'm eh, kind of on the edge here. So they want to get involved in the law and leadership Academy. How do they go about doing it? Who's eligible and how do they get in touch with you? Well, right now we're looking for anybody over the age of 18. So we're looking for somebody who's graduated high school and is enrolled in college. Um, they could be in a vocational law enforcement program, a vocational school, just basically in the accredited institution um, for, for whatever major. Um, they can contact me. Um, my email is dapeters at pa.gov. They have questions about the program. Um, we're we're kind of getting it out there to all the local colleges as well. Um, to be able to get in classrooms and present on it, to provide them with the program details. The, the details themselves are self-explanatory. We, I try to put it together so it's, you know, you really get an idea of what it, the program is and what we expect of you. Um, but, you know, or they can call me uh, here at the Troop and Hazleton headquarters, um, and I'd be more than welcome to explain the program to them, and, and hopefully uh, it's in, of interest to them. And I have to say, I checked out the website, patrooper.com, Great information there. All kinds of wonderful information. Yeah, I mean, if they choose to go on the site because they're interested in, in the recruiting aspect of signing up for a job, if they, they look at the recruiters in the Northeast, any one of them can also explain the, the program details along leadership because they are very much a part of the program as I am. And Master Trooper Peters, how long have you been involved in all of this? Uh, well, this is uh, this is our second year running this program. Um, so we came up with it last year and we, we hope that it continues. And, you know, we had a successful year last year. We had 17 individuals that, uh, part, uh, participated in the program, 10 of which were eligible to take our test. Uh, they passed the written, they moved on to the orals. Um, and I think currently right now, nine of them, um, have, have moved for, forward into the polygraph and background stage. So, you know, we're hopeful for those individuals to, um, achieve their goal of becoming a trooper. And uh, we look forward to the the next group of individuals who uh, sign up this year. And, of course, Camp Cadet for Troop In coming up in July. And you can also find out more about the Law and Leadership Academy from Troop In by going to patroopers.com. Now, don't go away. When we come back, we're going to talk about Senior Isolation on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. It's winter time. 
Many of us aren't getting outside. It's cold. There's snow. And especially for senior citizens, the fear of falling or having an accident is increased. Don Webster, Advanced Practice Clinician Director with MedExpress, talks about the senior population and isolation, which can happen any time of the year. Don Webster back with us one more time, and this time it's a little bit different. Would you actually see people at MedExpress when it comes to the topic of senior isolation? Not typically. Even family doctors don't typically see patients for senior isolation or for isolation or loneliness. It's more of one of those things you catch incidentally just by talking to them. So it's typically not something someone would actually go to the doctor for. Here we are in the midst of the winter season and that does, besides everything else that's going on, put a bit of a damper on visiting, on getting out because especially seniors in our climate have a fear of falling or getting into an accident. When you talk about senior isolation, Dawn, It doesn't sound like it's just something that would happen in the winter. So one of the things we have to kind of remember is that all humans need social interaction. It's actually part of our survival. And often as adults age, they begin to spend more time alone, which makes them more vulnerable to being socially isolated and feeling lonely. And one of the things people don't really realize is that there are actually a ton of health risks associated with loneliness. Some of those are dementia. So there's actually a 50% increased risk of dementia when people are socially isolated. Um, They obviously have higher rates of depression, anxiety, suicide. And then also, believe it or not, there's a 29% increased risk of heart disease and a 32% risk of stroke that's increased when people are isolated. And that's actually similar to the same increased risk when people are smoking. Wow. Now, I never would have thought that. Why? It goes back to just being with others and that social connection is integral for our survival. When we're talking about senior isolation, what would the age range be? And is it possible to have sort of senior isolation in even a community setting? So it's not so much of an age range as circumstances. The circumstances are typically what leads to to this um, isolation. Some of the circumstances that you want to kind of watch out for are if someone becomes disabled or they lack mobility that they used to have. So they break a leg, they break a hip, they can't drive anymore. Um, Another circumstance that that can lead to isolation is when someone starts to lose their vision or hearing because a lot of times they don't they don't want to ask for help they don't want to tell anyone that they can hear them so they just do the best they can and then also obviously illness or death of a loved one so if there's two people that live together one of them dies obviously that's going to change your whole circumstance what can we do then if uh, if we don't even know that it's happening? This is a two-part answer. So if you notice that you think someone, a friend or a family is becoming socially isolated, they're becoming lonely, so you can um, in- engage them. You can get them um, interested in activities. You need to give them a sense of purpose. People need a sense of purpose um, to have that cognitive function and well-being. So... You can encourage them to sign up for a class. They can um, start up an old hobby again. 
volunteer opportunities in the community are great if they have the ability. And then also just staying connected with the family and friends they have. So even if they can't get out of the house, call them, you know, FaceTime them, text them, really just kind of keeping in touch with them helps huge. And then if, if they're able to, if they are mobile and they are able to adopt a pet, animals are a huge source of comfort. And when we're talking about as far as senior isolation is concerned, it is one of those things that, again, you're right. As we mentioned in the very, very beginning, you probably, well, you don't see it necessarily when you go to your doctor or when you have a medical problem. It's kind of like an underlying condition. And as even as you mentioned talking on the phone, that can be as simple of, well, I talked to him yesterday and he sounded great. Eh. Right. Sometimes that doesn't work either. No, it's, it's those subtle clues. You know, you invite them for dinner and they don't want to go. Or, you know, you pop in unexpectedly and they're still in their pajamas and, and there's no dishes in the sink and, and they're not eating. So it really is, you know, tough sometimes to figure it out if you're not close to them. But actually, it's not even just seniors that this can happen to. I mean, there's many um, risk factors for people to be isolated. So, um, for example, people that lose their job or start struggling with money or if they um, have language barriers or limited social support if they just moved into the area from somewhere else. So there's many things that can actually lead to isolation and loneliness. And it's not always in the seniors, but it definitely is more common in them. When you're talking again about reaching out, sometimes that's also one of the biggest obstacles. As you mentioned, people don't want other people to know that they're having those type of feelings or they're because, again, you don't want anyone to say, well, maybe you're depressed or so how do you broach that with someone? Well, I mean, it depends on the type of person. If they're, if they're a type of person that's proud that would never admit that, it's going to be more giving them suggestions without telling them why. So, for example, if it's, you know, your uncle, you could say, hey, you know, I, I know you love to fish. Why don't we go fishing? Or um, I, I know you love to walk. Why don't I start stopping over every Saturday and we'll take a walk together? So it's more of the suggesting without telling them why when they're the type of people that, you know, don't want to admit to it. Well, now that opens a whole other chapter of you have to get involved. Yes. One of the things that you were mentioning was the idea of, which sounded an awful lot like the whole pandemic issue of having to be isolated, having to stay away from people while you are waiting to go through symptoms or non-symptoms. So I guess you're right. It doesn't necessarily have to be seniors in the wintertime. It can be anyone anytime and we might just need to maybe pay more attention yes yes this pandemic has been very challenging for everyone um even people with large supportive networks have really truly felt the strain when we're talking again about the whole issue of senior isolation and i use that in quotes because again as we've talked we've learned that there are others so 
what, again, can you wrap it up and give us some suggestions of ways to talk about this? And is there a time when maybe, and I know this is a real tough one, especially if you're not close, that you might need to seek out a a medical professional? Sure. So anyone who has new feelings of depression, loneliness, anxiety should definitely talk to their doctor. And even though medication might not be suggested, talking to someone, a counselor, a psychiatrist, you know, that, that can be hugely beneficial. Um, if you suspect someone that you love or that you're related to um, it, are having these problems, you want to try to stay connected. Um, you can identify someone that you trust, like a neighbor, that can help you. So if you're far away from them, that there's a neighbor nearby that you're close with, you can say, please check in on them once a week or twice a week or see if they'll go on walks with you or even offer to go to the grocery store for them if they're not able to get around. So you need to find people in the community or even online, I guess, if if, the, if there is not a community, just to help support and and get involved to keep someone engaged and connected. Dawn, anything else you'd like to add before we have to let you go today? Um, really just that truly isolation, um, especially with the pandemic, has truly affected everyone, even kids. So keep an eye on your family, on your loved ones. If you suspect that they feel lonely, depressed, or having any type of issues, talk to them. Don't don't ignore it. Don't brush it aside. Don't wait for it to pass. Um, it's something that we don't want to have a negative association with. We want people to be able to talk about it. And then that way we can help them. Thanks once again to Dawn Webster, Advanced Practice Clinician Director with MedExpress, talking about isolation and our senior population. Dawn will be back with us again. She has planned to talk about hypothermia, frostbite, and many other topics that are very relevant here in Northeast Pennsylvania. Don't go away. We're celebrating 100 years of local theater next on Special Edition. Now on Special Edition, David Parmalee, General Manager, Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre, and they're celebrating 100 years of local theater. David, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here because not only are you going to be taking on such a, a wonderful thing to be able to keep theater and local theater going in Northeast Pennsylvania, but you're involved with the 100 year Unbelievable anniversary of Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre. Welcome. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to talk with you. And yes, isn't it a wonderful thing? Oh. An unprecedented thing in our minds. I think we're one of the oldest theaters in the region. I guess nobody knows for sure. But 100 years is certainly old, so we're glad to be here. Absolutely. And and so many wonderful performances. Do you have a little bit of the history of where it all started? Oh, my gosh, yes. We have a marvelous new website, and our entire production history timeline is on there going back to 1923. But Little Theater started in a very modest way. There was actually a movement at that time that said amateurs could produce theater themselves. And, of course, the alternative was to go to New York to Broadway or some professional company or wait for one who was touring to come around. 
But some folks nationwide decided, well, we can do our own version. And some folks very much looked down on it, and other people were enthusiastic about it. Well, it started actually with folks getting together in people's living rooms and reading plays. And we actually have a record of the first play they did. It was called The Elephant's Child, kind of a little Rudyard Kipling-style uh, tale about animals. We discovered it and found it six and a half minutes long. Wow. <laughs> but <laughs> So a very modest beginning. But before you know it, uh, Little Theater was producing well-known plays that had been done on Broadway. And by the time uh, World War II ended and things started up again with theater on a large scale, you were seeing the big, well-known musicals, things like Oklahoma and Carousel. So uh, things got better over time, and there have been over 500 productions since 1923. That's a lot of time spent. And it's again, it's not just what, what the audience doesn't see. Uh, is all of the time before a production gets on stage and how long it takes from beginning to end. So what do you have coming up for this big season celebrating 100? Well, it's so true, Paula. We actually have two missions. Uh, One is to bring exceptional theater to the area, to our friends and neighbors, what Walter Mitchell likes to call Broadway in your backyard. And the other is to give people who love to do theater, actors and actresses, musicians, technical people, et cetera, a place to do what they love. That That's uh, our, part of our goal is to make sure they have somewhere they can get together with friends and, and practice the craft they love so well. So for the 100th anniversary, we decided to, to do a blockbuster season and just to stage some of the biggest and best loved musicals we could. And our artistic director, Scott Collin, uh, made some inroads in New York and got some some uh, productions that are kind of tough to get. So we've got a big season coming up. It starts with our 100th celebration concert. Uh, over 100 singers. Uh, we're bringing back some soloists who have been in little theater productions in the past. And a completely volunteer orchestra that I think is up to about 18 people. And that happens the final weekend of January. And then what happens as far as that is concerned? Can people get tickets in advance or uh, how, how, how will all that work? Yes, you can always get tickets by calling or if they're available uh, the day of by just coming to the ticket window. But more and more popular we're finding is our online ticketing. It's easy, it's fast, and you can choose your seat. So I think we're up to about 80 to 90 percent of our audiences are choosing online ticketing. It's a great way to go at www.ltwb.org. All right. So you you can buy tickets just about any time now for that concert coming up. I'm going to have you mention that website quite a few times as we as we go through our chat today so that everyone has it. And do you have any of the specifics? You said the final weekend in January. Are there is there a date? Is it one one night, two nights? Uh, It's actually three nights, uh, 28th, 29th and 30th. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Most of our productions will run two weekends, but occasionally something like this, a special occasion, it'll be one weekend. So you can choose from three shows, whatever works best for you. And we'd like to have a matinee uh, for those who prefer to, to come to theater during the daytime. And this is all just going to be people who have been in past performances over all these years. You've invited them back. Yes, we have. It's, it's a, of course, an all-volunteer 
cast as it always is. And some folks are coming to uh, Little Theater for the first time, but we've sought out as many people as we can to return from past decades. And actually, the music is being organized by decade. So you'll hear Broadway music that people love going back to the 1940s and as recently as last year. That's amazing. Wonderful. Now, what about when we get into the actual season itself and you start putting those folks up on the boards? What's coming up? Yes. Well, with one uh, idea we had that worked out, thank heavens, of course, we haven't been able to produce theater for quite a long time, going on two years uh, since we shut down. We reopened with a guest performance in June, and we've had three productions this fall that have been very well received. So for our 100th season, we thought, let's start with a show about people who weren't able to dance and now can, because we're dancing again. And of course, that show is Footloose, which we've produced uh, twice in the past. People have loved it, and we're bringing that back. Uh, We're following that with Chicago. Uh, the wonderful Cantor and Ebb piece that Bob Fosse made famous, you know, typifies his style. Uh, and that's a very uncommon show to see outside of the professional ranks. We've got another big show, a modern show returning that uh, people loved at Little Theater, uh, Rent, which we produced in 2009. Of course, that goes back to the late 90s. Uh, this summer, we're doing once again live on stage our youth workshop, uh, which started actually in 1986. That's a free youth workshop for local young actors. It's free to families. And in the uh, recent years, we've taken to producing the same show with the kids that we do either before or after with our adults. And this year, that show is the Sondheim musical Into the Woods. And it's, it's a great, great musical. Nothing like it. And the kids production will be followed by an adult production, which is part of our cultural outreach program where we're actually uh, soliciting and giving priority to actors of color to be in that production. That'll be happening in August. Uh, Followed by uh, the Rocky Horror Show in October, uh, which is something we do every year. This will be Rocky 8, actually. (laughs) It would have been Rocky 9, but for COVID, always a a popular show. It draws big audiences and people enjoy it so much. And then a special Christmas show that we actually cannot announce yet. Oh. Uh, for just for, for technical reasons. Oh. But but once we have that set up, we'll, we'll uh, put that on our website. And of course, that was one of the big events for this past holiday that we just went through was A Christmas Carol. Yes, we, we've done the show three times. Uh, and this year we were very happy to be able to stage an original local musical by Ted Anderson and Kevin Costley. That's something you don't see very often. And the audiences came out, and you could tell it was a big part of their holiday. A fantastic production, and uh, people left with a great feeling, as they should, from Christmas Carol. Absolutely. Now, one of the things that I did see, and of course, besides having, what was that website again? Uh, LTWB, Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre, LTWB.org. Okay, and you also have a Facebook page. We do, um, of course, become more and more popular, and we post on our Facebook page not only uh, publicity for the shows, uh, but also submissions for people who want to be part of the shows to direct or to be part of the technical crew and auditions. 
So you'll see auditions posted there, too, if you're somebody who'd like to get up on stage. And you also have one that is coming up for, is this specifically for Footloose, for people who want to be an actual part, as you mentioned, choreography, music director, something like that? Exactly. Uh, the, the creative staff, uh, designers, choreographers, music directors, etc., will always uh, ask for submissions for that early on. And of course, anybody can submit whatever it is you'd like to do, and you just send a note to us and we consider your application. And that's going through Sunday the 9th. Uh, I, that should be on Facebook now. Right. So, yep, I, I actually don't know the dates, but not hard to find. So we've got Footloose coming in March, followed by? Followed, uh, let's see, by Chicago, April 29th through May 8th. Then Rent, June 17th through 26th. And uh, Into the Woods, August 5th through 14th. Then Rocky at Halloween and our Christmas production around Christmas time. And if someone is looking and hearing this for the first time and saying, I love them all, I want to see them, do you have a subscription that will get somebody in there for the entire season? Well, that's one of the great things we do. We've got a, a program called a Play Pass that our box office manager, uh, George Rando, organizes. And the play pass is a good deal. It's a substantial discount from buying the tickets individually. But the nice thing about it is you can use it any way you want to. Uh, the least expensive play pass is six tickets, which is designed to give you one ticket to each of the major main stage productions. Uh, but you can bring five friends to one show if you like. You can use it any way you wish. What? So it has to total flexibility. Really? Yeah, Explain yeah. that to me again. <laughs> I, I, that caught me off guard. Yeah, it, it's actually um, on the website. It'll say become a subscriber. And a lot of folks say, well, I don't want to buy a season ticket because I don't know if I want to come to every show or where I'll be during that performance. And I don't know if I'll be able to use it. But the great thing about the Play Pass is you can use it like a season ticket, you know, for one ticket to each show, or you can break it up any way you like. You could have a party and invite five of your friends to a show and there's your six ticket play pass. Oh, now that's very cool. I, I, yeah. when I, I saw it on the site, but I guess I didn't read thorough enough and probably a lot of people don't because they're so used to, as you said, this ticket for this show, this ticket for that show. Right. And what if I can't make it now, the show that's coming up in the end of January, is that part of this or is that yes. something that's also part of this too? Yeah, the, in the past, uh, sometimes those special events would not be included. But this year, we wanted to include everything for total flexibility. So the 100 season celebration concert is part of the Play Pass program. And of course, Little Theater, just like so many other local theater companies, always rely on the angels. We do. Uh, and how can they help you in order to make this one stellar 100th year celebration? Well, had it not been for the generosity of people who supported us when we were unable to produce theater, you know, we couldn't even earn a living, so to speak. Uh, we would not have made it through the shutdown. And I think that's that's true of most theaters. But we're very grateful to be here. And you will also see on our website a place where you can uh, contact us to sponsor a show or advertise in our program or just support us in any way that you'd like. We expect to, to have to earn our keep. You know, we, we do 
survive by selling tickets and we want people to come and see the shows. But if you're a supporter of the arts who'd like to contribute in a greater way, please contact us and we'll talk about that. And how about volunteers? Oh, the, the, the lifeblood of the theater. Uh, everything from cleanup before the show to staffing concessions to ushering. And of course, as part of the production crew, we always look for people to help building sets, costume, that sort of thing. And people always come around. It's, it's wonderful. And we have a pretty good time. How can people get in touch with you if they are interested in something like that? Through the website? Uh, through the website is an easy way to do it. Uh, send, send us an email or uh, simply message us on Facebook. What's that website again, David? LTWB.org. Well, already a standing ovation just for the fact of the lineup that you have coming. And I'm going to let you tell our listeners one more time, give them the welcome back to Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre for the 100th year. It's a once in a lifetime occasion. And please join us at the theater. It has been marvelous to see your smiling faces during productions again this fall. We've met so many good friends. Please come and see us during the 100th as well. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.